Welcome to Unique Careers, Unique Lives. This is a show and I'm on a quest. A quest to find how people get unstuck and create unique careers, unique lives. Every week I interview a guest to find their answer. Will you join me? Let's begin! been quite some time since you heard the last episode and I'm so happy to be back with you. And today I have a wonderful guest, Mina Fung. Mina and I had met in ForwardLink, the alumni platform of Akimbo workshops, the workshops of Seth Godin. I was so happy that she accepted my invitation to come join me in the podcast. Mina Fung is the founder of Pool Impact and the podcast host of 10X Vision. Her big why for anything she does is to inspire others to seek change and take action to create a life worth living and build a business worth growing. She is also the co-founder of FIFA Global. It's a community for professional women leaders and entrepreneurs to connect for economic opportunity and upward mobility. We will be talking with Mina about her career journey, the impact she wants to make and she is making through her businesses, the network she created and her podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode and talk to you at the end. You are running multiple businesses. Uh, you are running like two businesses. You have a network. You have a podcast. How do you do all of these? How um, it's a little chaotic at times. I think, um, especially my new venture is now um, a movement, a business, and a passion. So it motivates me to get going. But it's definitely not easy. I have to constantly shifting my priorities and getting better at saying no to people and saying no to new projects and even saying no to things I really want to learn, but I don't have time to learn. Not that I don't like to learn. I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. But at the same time, I think sometimes it's better for us to learn what we already learn and refresh instead of keep chasing the ever-ending learning. Um, that, that's my problem. I always love to learn, but sometimes when I go at a thousand miles, the more I learn, the more I forget. <laughs> so sometimes it's good to just slow it down and then to just reflect on what I learned actually integrate that into my daily life and make a bigger impact mm-hmm. you touch now the impact part and your vision is like 10 times impact right it's one of your podcast is called 10x vision can you tell me a bit more about this 10x what is 10x your vision well first of all I always believe if we're just making random choices and doing random things, 
will be busy swimming in a sea of randomness. What does that mean? That means we get nowhere or get nothing. And the side effect is we'll be getting very anxious. In today's world, everyone's so anxious because there's just too many random things going on. It's great to be creative sometimes, but when everything is too much randomness, we're, we're not making the best out of our day. Mm-hmm. So I use vision. Vision is what I'm using to guide my decision and to guide my daily activities. Everything I do has to align with my visions. I have to see where I'm going. Then it's easier for me to make decisions, to say no to things and yes to real opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that's the vision. At the same time, I'm very ambitious and I own the word ambitions and I don't mind if anyone's think bad of the word, but I think ambition is a good thing. It's something that motivates us to do better and more. To be able to do everything I want to do or even for my kinds, we have to think 10x. That's why I think 10x vision, a lot of us, the problem is not that we don't dream. Sometimes our dream is limited by how small we dream. So I always encourage people to dream bigger. When people can dream bigger, they can create a 10x vision. Here's an example. One of my clients talking about she wants to retire at 9.30, she's already making very good money and she wants to retire 30, 35. And I asked her, what will you do? What's your vision? And she's imagined owning an island in Thailand and just do nothing. <laughs> she's working like pretty, pretty um, long hours now and she's doing well, she's happy. But I said, oh, what if I challenge you to 10 next? not just owning your island, but imagine you have a team of people helping you to, to, to serve you, to do your massage, to do whatever you want. How would that feel like? Then all of a sudden she said, oh, that's not my, that would be boring if I can have that every day for 10 years. And if uh, instead of just having one or two helpers, I have a hundred helpers, that would be boring. <laughs> I said, yeah, that's where the techniques comes in. You, when you think bigger, then it will make better sense if you work backward. And also, if we are techniques, we have to stop thinking about what we can do. That's part of it. We have to think more about what we can leverage. You, you can't achieve 10 if you don't leverage. So that's why I use 10 to work on myself. Mm-hmm. And also I use that with my clients. How did you come up with this 10x idea? Were you always a dreamer? Were you always a visionary? I am always a, a big picture person. I'm always a dreamer, but in... With my corporate training or my formal uh, professional training, I was trained to be inside a container, inside a box. 
But then my own incarnation is I'm a big dreamer. I'm a big visionary. Even when I became a leader, the way I think, the way I train people is more in line to be a visionary than in line to be a manager. So I study a little bit about myself, about what it means to be a visionary, why do I think the way I think, then it leads me to think about uh, I'm a big dreamer. Uh, or, or sometimes people will call it borderline delusional. <laughs> so there's two, two works, like one in parallel, right? You have to be a little bit borderline delusional and you have to be a big dreamer. To put both, to meet in the middle, then we use the vision, we use the techniques to guide us. So we can change the dream and the delusional part to be a reality. And you said in my previous corporate role, so you passed through different stages in your career and I'm curious to learn about your story. So how did your story start in your work and where are you right now? I will call myself a change strategist. Mm-hmm. Or for my private clients, I'm more taking a role as an advisor. Mm-hmm. That's the major role. That doesn't mean they don't ask me personal development questions because I have so many screw-ups in my life. They just feel like they can't open up to me. Even without me telling them that that some of my backgrounds I haven't been shared with them, but they share with me for some reason. They came to me and share their personal struggles, and then I share my personal struggles with them. Then we start to talk about the personal, the inner work part. That's the the side. Maybe coaching's my side business. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. not my main business to mm-hmm. start. But I really enjoy that part. I have to think for a business to work really well, we have to develop from the outside in. That means we have to know our customers really well and reverse engineering that back to how to start it or how to pivot or how to grow. And at the same time, we also need to work on ourselves because business is actually really hard. It's a long-term journey. If we want to do well, so in order to weather the seasons or the storms, we have to be really strong inside. And that will help us to be a good listener, a good observer, be more empathetic for ourselves when we make mistakes and also for others. Hmm. Yeah, that reminded me actually, not reminded me, but you previously said in our talk that you worked on yourself you wanted to understand why you were that kind of leader who were visionary and now you referred back to that that we have to understand ourselves our clients we have to understand their inner world as much as the outside world so you are like um, setting an example yourself to your clients as well yes yes Definitely. Um, there's, when there's a work relationship, first it's transitional, but the ultimate, whether it's personal or business relationship, it's a people-to-people relationship. So it's more beautiful when we can build it on a personal level 
when I have a client, I'll always think about, will I be enjoying having dinner with this person? If not, maybe it's not a good fit. So that's the personal level. In my former corporate career, everything's business, everything's transactional, everything's very cold and impersonal. And I present the best I could be. Of course, I will not show any witness. I will not show any weak side. I'll try to cover all the mistakes I make. It's very nerve-wracking. It's not a healthy way to live a beautiful life, a healthy life. Mm-hmm. So you were in the controlling part of the business, right? Financial uh, controlling or... I was in, yeah, corporate finance. Corporate I finance. Do, I do corporate finance. I do business models. I did a team. I did uh, reporting. I did IPOs. Mm-hmm. How did you I, make your transition from the corporate world to starting uh, your own business? It was not a planned transition. That's why... I'm so passionate about helping people to plan for that transition. If it's a planned transition, it will be smoother. At the same time, I understand the psychology of why people don't ever think about changing when life is good. When we are in our corporate world, we are blindsided by our status, the money, (laughs) and all the privileges to be in a certain position. So we thought our world evolved around us. We didn't want to change. We want to preserve what we have. We just want to move up. And that also limit our our sight of where we can go, how do we do better. At the same time, a lot of us actually didn't enjoy our job because we don't have the meaningful parts that build into our job. Either we don't know how to do it, or we were never trained how to do it, or it's never meant to be. So when, for example, when I had a big transition, making a big deal, and then impacting the company for so much money, first I was thinking, who's benefiting? Everyone's miserable here. With all the work I'm doing, am I contributing to anyone just, or just a few people? And I may get a good bonus, but am I happy? No. Mm-hmm. So I start to want to contribute to the way that can make impact mm-hmm. to people's life. At least, at the minimum, make people happier. That's mm-hmm at the minimum. Mm-hmm. With what I was doing, um, I didn't see that. So, but I was afraid. I had been so afraid to change. For years, I was waiting. I was hoping. Hope, wish, and wait is not a good strategy. So at one point, I was too, I think I was at the end of the rope. I I had no other choice but to let go, even if I knew it was um, it's not a good 
comparison, it feels like even if you're at the cliff, you need to jump and you will die. I was ready to let go. Like no matter the money I am getting. Uh, one night, I actually, I was debating whether to quit my job or not. I, I couldn't think of, I was so worried about letting go of everything. Then one night I asked myself, if they pay me $1 million a year, will I stay? I got the answer. And the next day I walked in and we signed. A month later, I left. Mm. Nothing. No job, no prospect. I didn't know about anything, what to do. I just want to leave. So that's not recommended. It's a really hard way to start, even though I had a big saving. I navigate through that, but I won't recommend anyone to just do cliff jumping. Mm -hmm. Unless they are at the end of the rope, they either want to die or they keep going or they leave, then of course, then leave. Mm -hmm. What would be a smoother way in your experience? A better way would be to build things on the side to explore different avenues. An even more strategic and smart way to do is to do it right in the beginning. For example, I don't I, I don't discourage people to go into university. I love my four years, that was one of the best time. At the same time, I recommend people not to go to, for example, my parents pushed me into business school, which I didn't enjoy. For people to explore different things, don't study because you think that can get you a job. Try out different things, study all different things, and then actually go out on the side to get a job, that get different jobs. Think about what you would like to do and ask people for the job. Like keep asking, knocking on the door, don't wait for the resume because you have nothing on your resume at that point. Just go around, ask people, I want to work for you. What can I do for you? Like I have nothing to lose. I'm in university. I study different things. That can lead people into a longer, happier life. Here's my theory, or it's quite practical too. It's never too early to think about fulfillment. People should think about from day one, as soon as they start to the university. And it's never too late to think about change. Mm -hmm. Even when people are 70, they can still get married, have fun, dance, as long as they're healthy, of course. Mm. So that's start from the beginning, but at every stage of their career, think about what they can do, think about what they can open the door and be active about what door you can open. If there's no doors available that you can see, look at the window. If you can see windows, look at holes. Poke. If there's no holes, poke at them. Just find whatever the way to do it, of course, we also need to be practical on the side. You have to do your job, but not any, but not any job that will, will keep you for 18 hours. Then you cannot explore, find a job that is reasonable. Like no more than 10 hours, that, then you can develop all your side projects. 
and to have uh, a beautiful life. Think yourself ex- as an explorer instead of settling into a job and thinking about have family, have kids. Those will happen. But if we are focused on that, that happens. And when you're not happy, you're pulling the whole family down. It's not a good way to contribute to your family or to your society. So what I'm getting from what you said is that like while you are working, still be curious, explore, do things that you enjoy and have multiple projects and see what you are developing. Maybe even have a portfolio of multiple careers and that might lead you a unique purposeful path for you which would have impact on your family and others as well. Exactly. You mm. said it beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said it. This is what I heard from what you said. But I'm still curious about your story. You said you, your, like, your career change was not how you would do it now with your wisdom. It wasn't smooth, but you, I think you still learned a lot from this process. And in the beginning, you also said you love learning, but for you, it's more important to refresh the most important learnings that you have. So the question is, what were the most important learnings from what you have experienced in your career and in, in your life? The reason I want myself and others to keep a balance about learning and doing is that when I, I, I started um, my first business, the art business that fell, and then I had a um, startup pitching to international VCs, raising a $4 million US funding. And that was a great experience. And that also came with a lot of learning about how to pitch, how to reach out to people, how to ask for help, and how to present myself. That got me into a role of keep learning. So I really enjoyed the learning part. Then I start to hide behind the learning. I start to, to keep learning things and hoping because the failure is just too hard to take. I was hoping the next learning, always hoping that will save me. I want to reflect, learn, at the same time, not doing reflections instead of just keep learning and hiding behind learning. It was because I was hiding behind the learning, always thinking the next things I will be good, the next thing I'll be amazing, the next thing I, there will be magic. But then I found out I know so much. Nothing that I learned that's new is actually new to me. I was surprised how much knowledge I have. But then because I was hiding, I was worrying about how people think of me. As I told you in the beginning, I always, or as for my perspective, I always thought my thinking is too complicated. People don't understand me. So I was afraid to speed up, to talk, to build my voice. But through all this, lately, like learning a lot, like for the last 
five years, I realized I know everything with all the knowledge we have. How do we build ourselves from there? How do we stop worrying about we don't have enough? That was my problem. And that's a lot of problem I see, especially in women's founders or my womankinds. They always worry they don't have enough. They always worry they are not enough. So, and myself um, always worry about that. But at the same time, I was like, wow, I know a lot. But then how do I make my message heard? How do I say it? How can I simplify it? How can I say something that's not already said, but at the same time, add my own perspective to help other people in a different way? So that's why I'm thinking about it's not about stop learning. It's not to chase learning in the hope of I'll create magic by learning more. I'll create magic by keep learning and also refreshing on what I can bring in to make it even more helpful for other people. Mm -hmm. Of course, for myself as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, so when you say refreshing, I'm also hearing you saying, how can I share what I learn with the others? And how can I voice, use my voice to bring out this learning? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's why I have a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about this podcast. How did you come up with the idea of the podcast? I, same idea about share the, the learning, but for my own experience, it's not enough to give people enough perspective about why it is actually possible to make a change. Why we think about possibility, change can happen. So I bring in other people who have a similar complex syndrome. I would say uh, a lot of us, we are former corporate leaders or in the executive position. We have a different set of concerns and trepidations and worries about how other people see us. Because when you build up your social status in a certain way, people see you in a certain way. So to have a beginner's mind again, to do beginning things, to change psychologically is so difficult. So I bring in other people who have done this successfully and to see how they do it, how not so much in the point of the tactics, but also the strategy because strategy, the decision process is what makes it applicable to different situations. If I tell people, for example, a lot of us learn about tactics of if you want to grow your followers, you do X. But environments change even daily now. If we want to be doing X, there's different factors to get into the X. It's not you do X, you get Y. It's not you do X. And how do you mix your own things to get to Y? That's the new things about learning about changing so just me myself talking about my podcast i think is um maybe limited 
And I'm also curious about other people. I love listening to other people's ideas, their stories, their struggles and their triumphs. And everyone has a beautiful voice to contribute to the world and also have a beautiful story to tell. So because of my background, I'm focusing on this group, mainly the corporate leaders turn entrepreneurs to see their perspective, their journey, and what other people can learn from them and start building uh, a beautiful path for themselves. Mm-hmm. And your customers are also this segment, right? Uh, executive level uh, people. Yes, mainly, mainly. It is is because they have different psychology that um, no people can understand. Um, The the former leaders and executives, they have a a different kind of barrier they have to go through first that is carrying with them for all these years that they have to let go and rebuild again. So it's different kind. I'm interested to to help the the people in the beginning because they I admire them. They think differently. They are so brave. They have the things that I didn't have when I start my university. So I love to work with those group as well. I hear you doing multiple things again, and that is. Uh actually parallel to your message, like we should be exploring uh, multiple areas and stay curious. How is now your uh, exploring going? What are you exploring currently? Thank you for asking that question because now I'm passionate about building the Weaver Global. It's a new digital platform and community for professional women leaders and entrepreneurs and our missions to help them connect for economic opportunities and upward mobilities. Why are we focused on this group, professional women? Because same thing, uh, both my co-founder, Christy Kaisen and myself, we have similar background. We have different personality, completely, but we have similar background. We experience similar thing about the glass ceiling, about the gender gap. And we want to help professional women to have economic power and also build voice. So together, when we have enough movement, we'll close the gender gap there. Mind you, for us, the gender gap is less. It's not like, for example, in general, when we talk about the macro sense according to the UN, it will take another 208 years for the U.S. to close the gender gap. In Canada, that's where I am now, it will take another 54 years. But for professional women, it might take um, maybe half of that, but it's not enough. We, there's no reason we have to wait. There's no reason we have the mentality, we have the mindset, we have the talent, we have the ability. To, to wait. So we want to change and to see the gender gap to close much faster. 
So I am curious about the, you have a very beautiful background and um, I also had the curiosity about your art uh, business. How did you come up with this idea? Uh, is it still ongoing? The art? No, I I closed that down probably two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, well, when I walk out of my career, my job, I had no idea of what to do. <clears throat> I thought about getting another job, but that immediately made me feel depressed. <laughs> I. I didn't want to work for someone else because there's a lot of opportunity out there that I see that we can do. But when we're working for someone else, especially if they're not the business owner themselves, they have their own agenda, actually. That's what I noticed from working for people who are not the owner founder themselves. They have their own agenda. The things they do might not be for the business. They only do it for short term. They get a big fat package and they leave. And that leaves everyone's in shambles mm-hmm. and not happy. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they're even happy people. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's what I see. So I don't want to work for people who might not be the owner themselves. But I'm generalized. I have met more people who are great bosses that are not owner themselves. They inspire me. They, they're so generous. They're so open. They're so smart. So there's those kind too, but it takes longer to find those people. Or sometimes it's serendipity or just luck. I think I was lucky that I had those bosses before mm-hmm. but a lot of them are actually building their own agenda not for the shareholders but for their own short-term benefit and they leave so because of that I was thinking well what can I do I start to I have time so I start to read a lot of articles online about entrepreneurs startups the reason I read about startup was I was, when I was still back in the corporate world, there's a startup that approached me to, to go in to work for the CEO and to ask me to go in for an interview. So they came to me, but I was so snobby. I was like, oh, I'm not sure. Are you sure that I'm not sure your company is big enough for me? I regretted that decision, and so i always curious about what it will happen if I say yes to that. And also other people think if I went to startups, I would be wasting my talent. And they also said if I leave my career and job, I will be wasting my talent. Of course, I don't want to waste anything. So that uh, also hindered my, the way I make wrong decisions. Long story short, that made me to think about, oh, let me, well, I didn't have that chance. I missed my chance there. Let me see what startup all about. And I love the technology side. I work for bigger technology companies. 
So I start to read about all those exciting things. Then I'm like, oh, maybe I can have my business, but what I can do. I was good in arts as a kid. And as an adult, I love drinking wine. So I thought about those two business. I was thinking, well, about wine, do I do wine to export wine from Canada to China, maybe? Then I explore that. It, it seems the logistic is difficult and a lot of import-export thing. It's not as easy as setting up an art business. Well, that's what I thought at least. So I thought, oh, maybe I'll do an online art gallery and I start to approach artists. Naively, and everyone's like, who are you? <laughs> no one. So it was a lot of rejections, learning rejections in my early days that helped, but that's quite heartbroken. Um, also learning it to do it the wrong way. Now, of course, I'll always ask people, even if you want to build an art business, build up your customer first. Learn what they will do, who can buy from you, how they will buy before you bring in the artists. If you have, for example, 10 potential customers, the artists will line up for you. If you can sell one painting, the others will come to line up and knock on your door. Forget about who you are. It doesn't matter of your experience. It's matter what you can do. Can you sell? If you can prove to them you can sell, you don't need to waste the time to make contact a thousand artists and only get a few who say yes and you build spend and wasting money to build up your website. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but luckily a few that trust me and this is one of the artists. She's a Korean artist at the background and she's, uh, I would present her, I showcase her work in international exhibitions. That's how I also met my other consulting clients. One thing led to the other. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, you have to hustle, but also net thing. We have to, now I learned something about put yourself out there, hustle, but at the same time, net, letting it go. Make it happen and let it happen. That's where you see where your thing land and take it from there. Yeah, that's amazing. It's a great story. I thought, what a brave action to think what you enjoy and then make a business out of it without having experience. Then you said you closed the business, but at the same time, this gave you the base of clients for your current business. So it's <laughs> definitely a success. <laughs> Pivot. <laughs> yeah, this is amazing. Thank you for sharing the story. Because when you are experiencing something, you feel that's it. That's the result, but then there are future implications of everything that you experienced. Absolutely. The rejection also helped me to approach other people. Like when I got my first five-figure client, I, I didn't have anything to show. I didn't have my website. I didn't, did I have my name? I didn't, I might not even have my business name. I just gave her some advice. I just told her I can help her. I just And she said she want to double her business within the next month, next six months. And I said, I can help you. And let's talk. So after a few talk, 
it, it makes sense to her. She's a smart businesswoman who built her business to be 500,000. And in six months, I have to double her, um, like to, to make one million. She asked me, said, do you have a website? I said, no, is that a business card? I said, no, that all I can give you is send you a contract and an invoice, pay up front <laughs> for, for the 50% because I, I have to do a lot of work. I'll be working with her team. I'll be working with her accounting. I'll be working with her landlord, her lawyers. So I need up front. And that's how it happens. Without my, the failure of my, or, or the hustle of my art business, I wouldn't have the guts to put myself out there with nothing again. What made the difference, uh, art business versus this um, seven-figure client? How did you put yourself out there? The difference was when I did my art, I didn't know how to approach. I, I had the bad end approach with this new kind that I start my consultant business with. I start from the outside in. I start with my clients first, understand what they need and what I can help them. Before I even know what I need to help them with. Mm-hmm. So I... I they're already so smart. They know what I'm talking about when I talk. I just say, this, this is this have to close. This has to be streamlined. This has to, then you double. And it makes sense to her. And she, she could easily take my advice and DIY herself. But she doesn't have time and she doesn't want to do it. So I do it with her. Yeah, you build the relationship, you understand the client, you know what you can offer, you offer it confidently, and then people understand the value. Yes, that's important. I, well, I also want to help a lot of people, but not everyone understands the value. So it makes it easier if we are finding the right kinds and they immediately can click. Like they have that business acumen. They know what you're talking about. They know the impact you can make. That's much easier. But I'm also ambitious to help people who are getting competing laws. Those are the harder one to find. Those actually take me longer times to, to bring them along because a lot of time they have no idea what I'm talking about. Mm. They're, they, they're hiding. So now I'm building on two sides. One side is I'm trying to to effect change first to make people think about change at least. And then there's another side, which is my bread and butter business. It's not only deal with those people who understand Huawei. Within a several meetings, they already know what I'm talking about. Within one hour, they can see clearly what we're going to create. So which takes your biggest time and energy? Actually, surprisingly, the group that has a, a lost, those, those that group take my more energy. Like those group, I call it social uh, selling or social 
impact because it's more I, I do it from my heart. I want to help and because I already have my my basic cover, I'm already have a, a great business that I'm cover so I can help this group of people as a social movement. Like if they are um, like on board and keep building and keep going, that will be wonderful. But those groups are, are much harder to help and much harder to, to connect because we're at a different wavelength yet. Mm. That's again my podcast comes in. I can help them by, um, they don't need to pay me anything. They can just listen to the podcast. If they listen and if they think and reflect, they can take all those things and DIY themselves. Mm -hmm. Let's make a call to these people to find you. So who, (laughs) (laughs) who would benefit from uh, your service and how can they find you? They will benefit from my service are those people who are the best ones are probably uh, corporate leaders, their manager mm-hmm. level directors, all the way to CEOs. They have a, a good cushion of money that they worry about losing it mm-hmm. and or they worry about how to to make the best out of it and they are afraid to change mm. but they are always seeking about change so mm. my immediate concern is the seek, the change seekers for mm. those people who are too afraid to change it, it will take too long to change them so i'm at the point of i want the ready to change and but don't know how to take the next step i want mm. those people to have a talk with me I can give them a lot of things they can do DIY or I can help them with my programs. Mm, it's like changing their lives? Life, business, whatever they want to call it. Mm, mm, okay. I don't know if anyone is listening from that group, but maybe somebody knows somebody. And uh, how can they reach out to you? Yes, the easiest way to reach out to me is on LinkedIn. My name's Mina Fong. Or on my Twitter is at Fong. My last name goes first. Mm-hmm. Fong Mina. Or mm-hmm. my um, poolimpact.com is P-U-L-L-impact.com. Uh, I use actually that name. I think about that name after I talk class from Seth Golden, our favorite teacher, because he's talking about the the push and pull marketing. Mm. And I really like the term of pull. It's more attracting. I mm. want to attract impact instead of pushing. Mm. So now I have my push and pull even develop into economic terms Maybe one day I'll share that. Yeah, I would love to talk more with you. Maybe we do another episode later. I'm curious about also the topics of wealth. I know that you have uh, knowledge and also uh, you are working and writing about wealth as well. So that's 
seems something that I'm also getting curious about because I feel there is like some blocks <laughs> between, between me and <laughs> well. <laughs> That's my favorite topic, talking about wealth and money. And money is a biggest block for a lot of us because we think as money, we give meanings to money instead of uh, or, or with that money to to yeah dictate how we think about things, but money is just a currency. It's just yeah. a, a, a number. Yeah, it has yeah. no meanings unless we give it to them. It's yeah. just neutral. Actually, money is neutral. Mm. So yeah, I that... would love to talk about money. One yeah, <laughs> well, let's let's uh, schedule another call sometime later. And I would like to talk with you because I realize there are lots of beliefs attached to money, especially my beliefs. And I guess lots of people have beliefs because of their families, the culture that they were raised in. And uh, as you said, it's interesting. You said it's natural. How, how do we come to that place from where we are right now? It's really curious. I would like to pick your brain on that later. Thank you very much, Mina. It was such a joy talking with you. Uh, anything you would like to add before we close our conversation? Yes, I would like people to think about doing things in parallel. And also realize there's parallel forces, whatever they do. The, the dark side and the light side, they go in parallel, so just embrace them all. And at the same time, think about building wealth, health, and happiness into their business and life model. That's mm-hmm. the ultimate goal and my message for everyone to be happy. Mm, that's very nice. Wealth, health, happiness. We wish everyone that. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you for having me. And I enjoyed this conversation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I loved listening to the story of Mina. What stayed with me especially is the fact that while you think your business might have failed, you might see in the future that the learnings that came from this business and the connections might lead to a completely new venture. And this fail can be a fortune. The second biggest learning for me is before you start your business, it makes all the sense to have talked with people and to build your customer base. Once you have your customers, then you can set up the business because you know how you can support them. The third, of course, is the value of the vision. How big is your vision? Can you double it? Can you triple it? Can you 10x it as the name of Mina's podcast? I'm so grateful that Mina came to the podcast to share her wisdom. And I'm joining her to wish you all the wealth, health and happiness. As always, the show notes are in the blog. Unique.com. Y-O-U-N-I-C-H. If you like this episode, let others know about it. Because we will grow together. We are in this together. Take care and talk to you in the next episode.